Welcome to I Swear on My Mother's Grave. My name is Dana Black, and in 2016, I lost my mom. And now I'm talking to other people who have also lost their moms. And I don't just mean in death, because there are so many ways you can lose a mother. And we're going to get into it. So let's talk about our moms. Today's guest is someone that if you saw them in a grocery store, you would probably go up to them and say, hey, don't I know you? Have we met before? I swear we have met before because they are that recognizable and that approachable. They're almost as if you're seeing a long lost relative or an old friend you haven't seen in a while and you're, you're kind of trying to place where you know them and where you might have first met because she has been acting on stage and screen for so many years at this point that you've seen her in everything from films like Twister to Perfect Storm to North Country to Runaway Jury. She's been on TV shows like Boston Legal, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Gilmore Girls. She is an incredible artist, sister, friend, and an activist. She grew up on the North Shore of Chicago and attended New Trier High School. She's also a fellow Virgo, and she never lets me forget it. And she learned how to use her microphone for this interview because she took it out of its box finally, unwrapped the USB cord, and plugged it in to talk to me on a Sunday afternoon, three days after what would have been her mother's 85th birthday. She is hilarious, empathetic, intuitive, ballsy, swears like a sailor, FYI, and is one of the most genuine and kind-hearted people I have ever met. This is Rusty Schwimmer. <laughs> so it feels inauthentic to not say that 45 minutes before this scheduled conversation, yes. I texted you a photo of my mom with Henry Winkler because I forgot that I had a photo and I was looking through photos and I was looking at other things. And I sent you that picture because the first film you ever made yes. in 1988 was directed by Henry Winkler mm -hmm. called Memories of Me. You played a strawberry. I still haven't streamed it. Yes, I did. But it feels inauthentic to say that I sent you that photo and then below it, I sent you a photo of my mom with Sidney Poitier because it was just such a beautiful photo and I wanted you to see it. Yeah, your mom was gorgeous. Well, sure. She looked good. Sydney looked all right. He looked fantastic. <laughs> he looks great yeah, all the time. Right? And I sent that to you and you said, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Can I tell you about my mom and Sydney and the afterlife? I mean, you had a whole story and I said, can you tell it when we're recording? Yes. <laughs> so here it is. Yeah. Here it is. Here it is. So and without sounding like I'm fancy pants and I'm dropping names left and right, please excuse me, people. <laughs> So I am actually friends with Wolfgang Puck and his wife, Galila, and they had a wedding and they invited me and it was in the Isle of Capri. And I mean, lovely, but I didn't have the money to fly myself to the Isle of Capri, as they say. <laughs> and I thought they're not going to miss me. You know, I'm friends with them. It's not like I'm, you know, intense friends with them. We enjoy each other. We've socialized. I've been to their home. How old were you? This was just a few years ago. This was probably about uh, between 10 and 15 years ago that this happened, what I'm just about to tell you. And so they had their wedding. I couldn't make it. And then they decided to invite the people that couldn't make it. And I didn't think that was going to be a big deal, but I realized later that they only invited like 60 people. So I was like, oops. And so I go to Spago, naturally. That's where they're having their little dinner with a few people. And I'm there with my friend Robert and the great wedding dress designer Monique Lillier was there with her mm. husband and Forrest Whitaker and his wife Keisha, who was hilarious, and Mr. Sidney Poitier with his wife Joanne, who is a jewelry designer. So I'm like, oh, my God. And I knew that Sidney Poitier was going to be there. I didn't know that Forrest Whitaker was going to be there. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but of course. Because, yeah, of because course I think there. that, yeah, because I think that Galila and Wolfgang were very, very well aware of my mother's crush on Sidney Poitier and how much I loved him. And he was my idol, along with Carol Burnett. So I decided to wear my mother's pearls 
that she had given to me. And they had this beautiful clasp that have like a pearls on them adorned with emeralds. And so I decided I was going to wear the pearls because my mother had a huge crush on him. Huge. Him and Anthony Quinn, you said. Yes. Those were the two. You were allowed to watch those films if they were in them. Right. So what happened is I'm talking to his wife. He's talking to Forrest Whitaker. And I'm talking to his wife and we're having a conversation. And she says, oh, those are lovely pearls. And I said, oh, funny story about this. My, they were my mother's pearls. And if I may be so bold, I'll just tell you now, we weren't allowed to watch a lot of television when we were kids, but we were allowed to watch Sidney Poitier films because my mother was in love with him. She loved what he stood for, everything. I've seen all of his films. And she said, oh, well, that's so lovely. That's so wonderful. And I said, oh, and I'm wearing these pearls just to have her with me, Mm. right? Yeah. And she says, oh, Sydney, 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 I want you to hear this story. I'm mortified, but I tell the story anyway in this small group of people. And at this point, he looks at me and he says, do you talk to your mother? And I said, every day I talk to her. And he said, well, tell her I say hello. And I say, okay, I will. And just then, the clasp of my pearls unloosened and the pearls fell into my lap. Wow. I laugh and I said, I guess she says hi too. He turns to Forrest and said, okay, was that God or science? And I'm like, what? (laughs) Apparently, they were having a conversation of God versus science. What? Yeah, that's separately what they, re- like related yes, to yes. The as moment. this was going, as I was telling Joanna what? about my mom. It's incredible, and yeah, it's an incredible story. And to this day, I still can't believe it happened. And I still think to myself, because I'm an actress, do I keep like adding sauce mm-hmm. to it? Is this the real story? Right, right. And yes, it is the real story. My mom really, really wanted to be there. Oh, and she, and she was, and she was. Yeah. What did yeah. she, what did she love? I mean, I know what, I, I know why he's a legend and, and an incredible artist and what mm-hmm. Sydney stood for. What did your mother say were the reasons why she admired everything about him? I think that this was in the late 60s, early 70s, when she was really, really heavily into civil rights. Loved his elegance, thought he was good looking, which he is. Mm -hmm. And so there was a combination of all of that. And she loved also uh, the stories that he told, the stories that he decided to sign on to. Yeah. I also magically asked you if you would talk to me around this time. Like I said, oh, what about May 17th? And you said, oh. That would be great because my mother's birthday was Thursday, was three days ago. She would have the been 14th. Eight, 85. Yep. Right? And Mother's Day was about a week ago. And mm-hmm. you said this would be a great week to talk about <laughs> yeah, my because, mother, the martyr. And- <laughs> yes. <laughs> because not only that, she died on May 10th, which was this year, Mother's Day. The year that she died in 1997, Mother's Day was the next day. Mm. So she died on May 10th. May 11th was Mother's Day. Her birthday was May 14th. And that's when we spread her ashes. And being ever the martyr, and this is what I always say, is (laughs) that my mother was such a martyr that she was like, you only have to think of me one time a year, you know? And I'm speaking like a Jewish mother and she didn't speak that way. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. She was a combination of me and my sisters and Tyne Daly. So if anyone knows Tyne Daly, That was my mother big time (laughs) with a splash of us. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How many sisters do you have? There's four of us. And that's the other thing, just to let you know on that. I had shared with you some art that she had done. My mother was a painter. Uh, My mother had us posing Mm -hmm. a lot just to keep us (laughs) in line. I guess (laughs) I was an actress then because I was like, okay, let's see how long I can stay still. (laughs) Well, she draws me. The grace yeah. of my arms. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, right. At seven at years seven, of age. Yeah, yeah. Look at my posture yeah. and my, my cheekbones. Did your mother have formal training as a painter at all? Yes, yeah. she did have formal training. This is something that's generational. Yeah. You know, she was born in 1935, but I found this out after my mother died from my sister. So I don't know how much of this is true or not. 
like the game telephone, things can be taken out of context, which is another thing I wanted to talk about. All of a sudden, when your mother dies, she becomes some sort of saint yeah. and you forget all these yes. things. I'm sure you feel that way about your mother yes. and you're like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> Am I ignoring the fact that some of this shit was, was fucked up? Right. Or I'm, yeah, yeah. or it goes for me sometimes I'm trying to remember the good stuff too. So I go back right, and forth between right. like, no, she was actually really great. Can we come back to that? And then there's days where I go, right. she was the most incredible mother on the planet and you forget all of the darkness. Right. So it fluctuates exactly. from me back and forth. But right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, that being said, my sisters had said, one of them had said to me, and I don't remember which one, that mom didn't pursue her painting as much, especially doing it as much like having shows or mm. taking more classes, because my father told her, what's the use? You're not that good of a painter. He told her that. Well, uh, allegedly, yeah. uh, you mm. know, one of my sisters had said that, uh, I guess, and if I'm trying to be correct on this, that mom had said that or... You know, and it could have been that mom was saying that mm. just to <laughs> get us to stop talking to her and asking questions. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, the four of us are pretty spirited human beings. So there's that. And I don't know if it was that my father said that, but I do know that my mother had confidence issues. Mm. And so, you know, it could have been a combination of all that where she decided that that was going to be her answer because my dad said, eh, you know. Right. Her confidence level was intense. She married my mm -hmm. father right out of living with her parents. You know, uh -huh. she walked from her parents' house to the temple to get married and did not go back to that house again to live. How old was she? 19. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, even though compared to a lot of women her age, she had an incredible amount of confidence and self-awareness, she still was lacking it because mm. of, you know, when you find out that women couldn't have a credit card in their own name until 1974, and my mother had already had all of her children by then, you know, to think mm. like, how did she navigate that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And she still had her four daughters become intense women, strong women. Was she so, working as a nurse while she was, I mean, she became a head nurse later on. So she, she went back to school when I was in sixth grade, I think, and then graduated from nursing school the day before I graduated eighth grade. And she was, she had just turned 40. Wow. And she graduated nursing school. And so while all of this was happening also, Dana, this is what's crazy, is that my sister had, my little sister was in and out of the hospital for two years with back issues. And during all of this time, my mother was raising us on top of the fact that she was in school and she was going to the hospital, Rush Presbyterian. To deal with which, your sister. Yeah, which couldn't be farther away right. from the North Shore, mm -hmm. you know. And at that time, we were in Glencoe. So going from Glencoe all the way to Rush Presbyterian mm. every day, on top of going to school and on top of raising us, I don't know how she did no. it. And that's another question I want to ask her now, you know. How did you do that? <laughs> yeah. How many questions do you have for your mother, oh, right? Oh, my gosh. Right? That so you're many. like, damn it, I didn't ask her. Yeah. Or she didn't answer it. Or, yeah, she wasn't in a place to answer then. Would she answer mm -hmm. now? Would she... Right. If she could sit in front of my grandma, you know... Right. What could they talk about? Which is a, something exactly. I talked about with my last friend on when we talked last Sunday. I was like, God, I wonder what they could have hashed out, you know? Yeah, too, right? right? Right, And questions. Exactly. Was your father working... My father... You, started out in advertising. He's a great writer, uh, really uh, quite a wordsmith, my father. He left advertising because he's one of those people that can't work for another human being. Um, and the idea of, in this day and age, we and our generations and the generations after us uh, understand that working for 
corporations is a little bit more difficult. Then nobody had that question. My father had that question, however, but he was miserable. And my mother said, Hmm. yeah, yeah, you're kind of an asshole right now. So (laughs) why don't you just quit and figure out what you're going to do next? And so my father had a whole bunch of different jobs that wasn't really garnering a lot of money, but he's a professional washboard player in Dixieland jazz bands also sells player piano rolls by mail order. He was also a DJ. He was also an antique store owner, all sorts of stuff. And my mother was all for it because he was much happier. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff that we had to forego because he wasn't making North Shore money. Right. You know? Right. And if you could ask her that today, were you really... She's support- really, really supportive. Were you really, really supportive, right? I mean, yeah. you can be yeah. supportive and there's still that 10% of you that maybe is yeah. questioning, right. why can't he, you know... She never would have never, shared that with me. No. And I'll tell you why she hmm. never would have shared that. Her first line of defense was always, how do I protect my children? It was always. It didn't matter how old we were. Mm-hmm. She was constantly protecting us. It was just a a subconscious thing. On top of the fact that I think she was also protecting her husband. Right. Last thing she would do would be to protect herself. And that was also a generational thing, too, I think. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Or it was just that my mother was that giving human being, that unselfish human being. Do you feel yourself doing that, too? I mean, are there days where you go, yeah, I'm protecting everyone else but me. And I'm looking out for everyone else but me. And and that was the thing is that so many of my lessons are learned from the actions that my mother took, whether they were good or not for me, it doesn't matter. Because there's a lot of actions I take that is solely my mother and thank God I took them. Such as? My focus, my competitiveness, mm-hmm. and both of these I was kind of teased about. Uh, in the 60s and 70s, it was a little what they called unattractive in a woman to be focused and uh, competitive. Mm. But my mother, as much as she could, fought for equal rights. She was ahead of the curve on saying, why can't a woman do that? Yeah, my, my mom was one of the only people in her class who had gotten honors in, in <gasps> chemistry and biology. Oh, in and, science. Yeah, because she's, right. she's a biology teacher or was right. a biology teacher. So that's right. science and she wanted to be pre-med and she was thinking about becoming a doctor, but mm-hmm. she didn't go forward with that. But the same the same mentality of, you know, I want to. She she also loved fashion. She loved good clothes. She you loved getting her hair that. done. But she yeah. really loved science and biology and zoology, all of it. She and gardening yeah. and the science of it. So yeah, my mom was quite a gardener. Yeah, quite a gardener. Did your mom have a favorite flower? I think she loved lilies of the valley because they'd only come out a certain time of year yeah. and the smell. She was all about smells, you know. But birch trees, that was a huge deal. She would take trees from wherever we were. We spent a lot of time in Minnesota. And she would find a a little teeny birch tree or a little teeny pine tree. Somehow she'd have some sort of like garden shovel in the back. And she would dig it up, make sure that the roots were okay. And we would carry that back in our car back home and she would transplant it in the front yard and we had birch trees pine trees in the front yard that she had planted transplanted from minnesota wow yeah i think my Mm -hmm. mom ever transplanted trees more plants than trees for her like she loved impatience um Mm -hmm. all over the place there was this big mound of them surrounding a tree in our front yard so it was like they just encircled the tree yeah she loved impatience you were in your 30s right when you lost your mom is that right? Yeah, I was 34. Right. Yeah, I was 36. So, mm. And your mom was 67 when she died? No, no, she was four days shy of 62. 62. Yeah, so there it was. Uh, an autoimmune disease uh, that like uh, Venus Williams has, it's called Sjogren's syndrome. Okay. But that's not really why she died. She died of cancer that you could get from the medication we still don't know uh we we do know the biggest issue was the fact that she didn't have an immune system to fight the cancer Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So How long was, was she fighting it? She fought Sjogren's. We didn't know a lot of the medical stuff until after she died. Mm-hmm. She, of course, she was protecting us. See, protect, protect, protect. Um, she got Sjogren's at 33. Mm-hmm. And shy of 30 years, she lived with Sjogren's. And at that time, nobody really knew what autoimmune diseases were. You know, They're still was, learning every day yeah, about, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this one is is similar to lupus. If anybody out there is listening, it's it's uh, very similar to lupus and um, stuff like that. If she were alive today, she probably wouldn't survive this. So, mm. um, yeah, a lot of people say that she lived so much longer than the doctors thought, just because mm. of her will. She was a stubborn, stubborn woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. stubborn yeah and, she just she loved life she loved it loved it yeah. and it must be hard when you're in the medical field to know you have something right there must be a complicated sense of if you're already a strong-willed person who's protecting your family but you're also a person who's a nurse caring for others mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. you know more than others sometimes about right. the science well or, she right? she became a nurse she went back to school to become a nurse after she was diagnosed which was very interesting. So I look at it now and make that assumption that that's why she said, that's it, I'm going to go back into nursing, which was something that she wanted to do earlier in her Mm -hmm. world, in in her life. But I think she she knew that she was on borrowed time, that she never really discussed with us, that she was on borrowed time. And so... um, you know, if we asked her that question, I'm sure she'd answer, aren't we all on borrowed time, you know? Yeah. Right? So. But you never, did um, you see symptoms or signs or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, you yeah. saw it physically. Oh, and You saw oh, what's yeah. going on. What is this? Yeah. What am I looking at? What is, right. mom, what's right. wrong? Um, right. But I didn't see it like my little sister saw it. Ah. You know, I left, I think the last time I lived in that house, I was actually 17 years old last time I lived in my parents' Hmm. home Um, because my first day of college was when I turned 18. So the day I turned 18 was my first day of college. Yeah. And then you never moved back in. You never were there. Never. Never. Yeah. Never. And I hung out, of course. We were very close. But no, I did not live there. Mm -hmm. And um, I know my little sister, when we talk about it years later, my little sister talks about what she saw. Um, and we've pieced a bunch of things together. That's the, you know, one of the uh, advantages of having sisters uh, or siblings, as you can say. Do you remember this when mom was sick? Or do you remember yeah. this when we were younger, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's, you know, one of those advantages. Uh, but it also it can be a disadvantage, you know, um, because when you're dealing with your own grief with your mother or your own relationship with your mother mm-hmm. and they're saying, no, mom's not like that. And I'm like, well, she's like that that's with, with me. me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah, what yeah, I yeah. remember or, mm-hmm. or resentment mm-hmm. that they got to see something you didn't, or they're resentful that's of right. you that you got out before she that's got right. worse. I could only go to my dad who'd been divorced from my mom for many years, you know, to get answers about how sick she was and he's like Mm -hmm. but i'm not married to her anymore and i'm i'm resentful of my own i have my own pain and my own life now and i can come back in time with you but what you're telling me and what you had to watch in those final years my dad's like i don't even i don't know how to help you because i wasn't there but i can imagine it was difficult right so that's hard and i wish i had siblings to talk through that with and yet that's still just as complicated yeah, it yeah. is. I mean, you might get some answers, but then right. th- some of those answers will be complicated. Like, for instance, the story that I told earlier about my dad saying that she wasn't good enough. Right. Uh, I did not hear that from her. You heard it my from sister, your sister. Yeah. Right. And yeah. my sisters might have made it up to right. help themselves out. Who knows? I don't know. And we all have different you versions know? of the mm-hmm, truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, our versions of the truth, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's right? kind of. I mean, it's kind of amazing that you got to remember her the way that you. I mean, you saw her, of course, like, after you left for college. I just mean, you oh kind god, of, yes, yeah, you kind of got to live in this. You didn't have to see her day to day, right? And see like in so much pain, pain, yeah. exactly. And yeah, I think I was with her the last 
three weeks of her life or a month. Um, And that was a blessing as much as I'd say the first 10 years after she died, uh, I would have huge, huge uh, flashbacks that some people might call it PTSD. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that's what it was because the vocabulary did not exist in society then, in major society then. But for the longest time, I was like, this might be a curse that I was with her when she died. And I was with her when she had this. And when I was Mm -hmm. with her, when this happened and this happened and this happened. Like, I'll never be able to erase it from my mind. I'll never be able to get past this. I'll see it in my dreams. I'll see it. Right. And now it's a gift. Mm -hmm. Now it's a gift. Um, So. And why do you uh, feel that way? Why does it feel like a gift to you? Because then I can take a look at my own aging and the other people I love and their aging and that they're deteriorating and their wishes to do things as they're still alive. It gives me great lessons to see that as painful as it was and as horrifying as it was. The things that are horrifying now that other people they will crumble doesn't even make a mark on me now because of that. Uh, because of the way that I can process trauma, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, hold space and, with someone. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, uh, know when someone says something bullshitty. And you know, like when, uh, you know, I, my friends lose their mothers and mm. some people say certain mm-hmm. things and I'm like, yeah, you might not yeah. want to say that to them. And this was my experience with that. Or, yeah. or when someone has just lost their parent and I said, yep, uh-huh. And they say, I feel guilty for, for thinking this way. And I go, yeah, you won't after a while. You'll be okay. Yes, you know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's until you yeah. go through it. Like there's, mm-hmm. I'm sure I texted things to friends on Mother's Day that I would never text That's right. now. That's right. That's and exactly that, it. And even though everyone's intention is always good. Always, always good. So you always have always. to take it with a grain of salt. But yeah. know that, you know, some people don't don't want to hear that yeah and mother's day is just another day yeah to a lot to a lot of people it's just a sunday or you know yeah i mean i i remember at one point someone said to me uh, it was like six months after my mom died maybe not even six it could have been three i don't know somewhere in there sure and there's no what what is time after yeah right exactly what is time after losses right and someone says to me how are you and i said "Eh, shitty and they go, why? And I go, because my mom died? And they were like, yeah, uh, but wasn't that a while ago? And yeah. I just yeah. stared at them. I just stared at them. Because I thought at least they would shut up after I just said to them, because my mom is dead? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it sounds loaded to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, uh, not know. surprising. That was a person that had not lost their parent. Absolutely. You know? And, and so, I, I think, mm-hmm. and again, it comes back to intention, even when the intention is the opposite. I, oh, had, a, yeah. I had a really good friend who was much younger than me. Uh, we were sitting in a car together and she said, do you mind if I call my mom? You know, right? And mm-hmm. I said, mm-hmm. I said, why? Because mine is dead. <laughs> and she, and she said, like, because it's my humor, and she knew that right, I was kidding. Right, right, and, I, and she right. said, "Well, I just don't want to upset you." And I said, "I promise you, she'll still be dead after the phone call. Give her, <laughs> give her a call." You know, and I, that was the most authentic thing yep. I could say because right. it felt funny. But again, is that humor deflecting? That I also am resentful that this woman gets to call her mom and wants right. to call her mom, and that's a whole other mm-hmm. conversation. So I actually wanted to ask you that: like, were you someone who called your mom every day? Uh, I didn't call my mom every day, but we talked at least once a week, at least. And who would call who? Was it always you? Was it sometimes her? Was it always her? It was both of us, mostly her. Yeah. Mostly her, but it was definitely both of us. So when you were on Um, set or you're busy, you're living mm -hmm, in LA, mm -hmm, you're doing shoots, mm -hmm, you're, mm -hmm, you're filming, you'd make mm -hmm. time. You would always make time. 
Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, of course I did. I think it's because it was a given in our family, you know, uh, Sundays at home hmm. uh, growing up were huge. Uh, uh, first of all, even if we decided to sleep late, my mom would climb into bed with us and be like, good morning, sweetie. Mm. What is going on? And she'd sit there and rub your head and yes, do all these sorts yes. of things. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's that's weird. That got me too. My mom loved to climb into bed. She slept with me sometimes. Yeah. Yep. 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 And she'd wake us up. Yep. And, um, you know, just be like, okay, it's Sunday. It's a beautiful day out, blah, 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 blah. And uh, Sundays were always family. And we'd have brunch with our cousins, her brother, Gus, mm -hmm. who's still alive to this day. So whenever I miss my mom, I can go see Gus. How old is Gus? He's 93. Yes, my grandma's age. All yeah. right, Gus. All right. He's awesome. Does he's he live awesome. in Chicago or? In yeah, the he lives in Highland Park. Still lives in Highland Park. Nice. I don't. I, I think they left the North Shore for maybe two years, and that was it. He and my aunt Ruthie, and um, so uh, we would have brunch every single Sunday, and brunch would then turn into dinner, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, and my first cousins and I are, you know really close because of that. And those were our Sundays and mm -hmm. they were huge. And so when I was out of town, uh, Sundays, mom would call or I'd call mom, you know, mm -hmm. mom and dad. And so it was one of those things that, you know, family was a huge deal. So it was a given that we would talk. It was a, a total given, you know, I may also say at this point, I was the one that probably had the most uh, uh, challenging relationship with my mother of my sisters. Hmm. Uh, and my mother kept saying the reason it was is because she and I were so much alike. And so it was contentious at times, but my mother, even as, if I said the most horrible things to my mother, she'd still keep the conversation going. You know? Like if you're on a phone call and you say something that... Like, mom, you saw. Yeah. And I, you did this to me. I'm blaming you. I'm yeah. upset. And she'd say, all right, well, you coming let's home for Christmas? Let's figure this out. <laughs> or what you, yeah. Like, yeah, with, let's figure this yeah. out. Or you're coming home for Christmas, one of these things. Right. I was probably so angry. I was in therapy at the time. And I was probably so angry at my mother that she couldn't get in a word in edgewise that she wrote me a letter. And I kept the letter. Um, what were you angry ang about? What I was angry about the fact that she would keep her feelings in, that it was bad that she kept her feelings in, and that I was having a terrible life because I had to learn how to keep my take my feelings out and not keep them in just like she did, mm. and that it was her fault <laughs> that I kept my feelings in. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and so my mom like wrote a letter going, I'm so sorry. This is how I deal with it. You know, like this and is who I am. This yeah. is who I am. And I can't share with you my feelings like you do with me. It's mm. just not something I can do. And that was when she also admitted that her first and foremost job in this world was to protect her children. And that's where I got that in that mm. letter. What emotions weren't you seeing or truths? What were you trying to get out of her? I think it was her fears that I wanted to know because, of course, it had to do with my fears. Yeah. You know, I mean, come on. I was in my 20s when shit was going down. I was in my late 20s. I was in L.A. I, I had just ended a, a long-term relationship with a guy that I was living with. My parents, my family loved him. But they didn't know what was going on in our relationship. I think he liked my family more than he liked me. And I completely understand why. So, um, <laughs> stop. <laughs> no, seriously, my family's kind of awesome and they're a little fun. And once they like you, they bring you in. You know, they're like, you have no choice. You're coming over for dinner. And you'll you know? be having corn. So yeah, and you'll be in. having corn <laughs> yeah. and lots of vegetables from the garden. Exactly. Wow. And so I guess the deal was is that 
I was dealing with all of my fears and trying to get things going in my late 20s. And I was living in shitholes and not wanting to get money from anybody and do it on my own. And it was hard living there, you know. Mm -hmm. So I started going to therapy, trying to figure things out because I just felt like a mess. And through that whole thing, they were basically saying the things like, you're not taking care of yourself. You're taking care of other people before you're taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's mom. That's mom. It's all mom. All mom. You know? And so I was like, it's her fault that I'm doing this. It's her fault that I got in this place. So I think what I, how I tried to do it. <laughs> in my very immature way, was try to say, mom, you've got to let your feelings out, you know? And uh, what, it, what it really was, was thanks a lot, mom. Now I've got to figure out how to take care of myself before I take care of others. But, you know, remember, this is also 23 years after she has left this mm-hmm. earth that I mm-hmm. figured this out. Mm-hmm. Right. But at 30, when I turned 30, My mom and I had a very, very, very close relationship. We got through it. So between 30 and 34, we were golden. Yeah. We could laugh at each other. We could laugh at all of our shit and understand how we were so much alike, you know? Yeah. And so thank God for that. Thank God. And some people, I think, don't process. It doesn't behoove them to talk about their their fears sometimes. And that's right. That doesn't help that's them. Right. So no, we doesn't. can't force that on people. I mean, mm-hmm. especially my mm-hmm. grandma, there's, she's gotten to this point in her life. She doesn't need to talk about burying both her children on a Sunday. Yes. She just wants oh, to talk fuck. about getting her hair done again. So that's right. Don't push that's it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. she'll talk when she mm-hmm. wants to talk. And, and there's, that's right, right. There are those moments where for 45 minutes, she's going on about something about her past. And then the next minute she's talking about, having you know eggs for breakfast and that's fine let her roll but or i wish i could have kept that purse yeah oh sure right way more important than (laughs) was was your mother do you think my mother was an addict and she's like yeah anyway is chico's open during the pandemic or not you know oh my god chico's Chico's. my mother loved chico's my mother's oh my mother had so many chico's jackets so did my mom yeah and the little bags that held the jewelry Little- oh, my mom, she didn't do that. She, she had like a huge ass bag because my mom had tissues. Part of the medication, she was on like 24 pills when wow. she died. Wow. My mom had like a runny nose all the time because of the side effects of a lot of the medication. And so she always had a tissue with her and she would put the tissue in her sleeve or she'd put it in her cleavage or she'd put it somewhere if she didn't have pockets. Mm. And after she, and, and that's why with that big purse that she had, there'd be like 5 million tissues wadded up, but they were all clean. <laughs> So she'd take like the tissues from the tissue box, throw them in the purse, but there'd be like little candies. She loved jelly beans. There'd be something. So like she never left that even after her children grew. She still had the big ass purse because she had to carry everything in it to have something if we needed it. Right. So cut to we're cleaning out the closet six months after she dies. You know, we're like emptying out pockets and. And it was like, look, there's mom's tissue and it smelled like her and we would smell her tissue and we were totally into it and crying and laughing. And we're all sitting cross-legged in a, Mm -hmm. in a circle, the four of us and, you know, going through stuff in the bedroom where she actually died. By the time we finished folding her clothes and figuring things out and who's going to save what and where it's going to go, we had a foot and a half mount of... (laughs) Kleenex in the middle of all of us. And we laughed and cried and used the tissues. Used the tissues, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And then I used her tissue move in a movie later, years really? later. Really? Yes, I did. And it's still in there. If you want to see the tissue move, it's in the movie The Informant oh. with uh, C- Steven Soderbergh. Uh, directing and Matt Damon. You used the in, tissue move. I yeah. used the tissue move <laughs> and it made Soderbergh laugh. So that was good. And I was like, that was my mom. Yeah. My mom. And, my and you said mom. you played your mom. I mean, we were talking about how you, when you auditioned for Twister, which is a very famous movie, yada, 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 mm-hmm. you auditioned for yeah, Dusty. Yeah. You didn't get Dusty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your name is Rusty, but you got a mom yeah. role. You got Mrs. Thornton, yeah. who was a mother. Mm-hmm. And right. you're like, and you were saying, oh gosh, how many times have you played your mother? 
I could mm-hmm. go on. And to be honest, mm-hmm. I started thinking about it and I realized I actually never play moms. Now, it doesn't <gasps> mean ne- I'm never cast as a mom ever. Right. But it doesn't right. mean I can't bring my mom to the role. That's so, right. So I go, okay, well, I had to think back on it. And to be honest, the only time I feel like I've used her is um, her dance moves. So I feel like I've used nice. a dance move on stage <laughs> in a role that was totally a mom. But it was more of like I was playing an older sister. And I just threw the it's dance so move good. in, um, which I wish I could do on podcast. But um, Well, we should also share with our audience members that we have taken a couple of trips to a place where uh, a bunch of women can get together and sit around a campfire. And one of those days in the campfire, one of those nights, we all imitated our moms dancing. And there were some good moves there, there ooh, man. Man, a little, some good a little Lindsay Page yeah. mom move, oh, the slow-mo. With the, with the slap. <laughs> the with slow the slap. slap. <laughs> yeah, the slap on the thigh. It's <laughs> yeah. a shimmy. And a yeah, yeah, side yeah. slap. My mom does a lot of snapping, a lot of yeah. snapping, and it's yeah. it's a lot of snapping. Um, My mom I, did yeah. like a, a individual jitterbug move. <laughs> yeah, so that's what it was, you know. But I think I only feel like my mom when I'm hosting a party, when I'm mm-hmm. trying to wrangle a group for a photo, I'm really bossy, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. telling everyone where to stand, where to go. And then mm-hmm. every time someone opens a gift, like at a bridal shower or a baby shower in, or a birthday party in front of the group, they mm-hmm. open the gift and they say, oh, thank you so much, you know? And I go, okay, mm-hmm. so okay, so you wanted the green shirt, I know, but I wanted to go with blue because I couldn't find your size. <laughs> okay, so this store, you guys, this store, and I tell a whole fucking tale about this gift. I've, I've, I've stopped the room. I've, it's now time to explain the gift. And if you don't like it, I'll return it. But I think you're really, I think this is actually going to look better on you than what you wanted. You know, my right. mom always had a story for the gift and, and quantified it. It was funny always, but she wanted to explain the tale of buying it, you know? Right, and, right. And that the care she Yeah, the took, care. The and care. she's just like, ooh, I love this. Isn't that? And everyone's going, yeah. oh, I love this gift. And I go, right? I know. So there's the store. It's on LinkedIn. <laughs> and then I, it's like, let's move on. There's other baby gifts to get through, you know? But I need to talk about it. When my mom really comes out in me yeah. is always in nature. Awesome. Usually in nature. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. My mom used to walk mm-hmm. around her garden and tell me what was the, like, reproductive organs of the female plant oh you my know, god the teacher the, yeah, teacher the teacher and i would learn yeah. all about the the plants and then cool fruit flies and all of that stuff she what bring... is it about fruit flies that your mom shared with you that i'd like to know she talked about like chromosomes <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> i don't remember i really don't remember did she it... talk about cytoplasm sure i'm sure that came up i used to grade <laughs> i used to grade like tests and she'd let uh-huh. me Great cytoplasm, psychoplasm, yeah. psychoplasm, psycho. That's right. psycho or cyto, psycho. I don't know. It, it, I remember C Y C, psychoplasm. I don't know. C Y C L O. Yeah, C Y C L. Yeah, but she would show. She would have them psychoplasm, little, little vials, and yeah, they'd oh, sit on wow. the dining room table. She really? would dissect pigs, not in our house, but I would mm-hmm, go to sure. her classroom at Glenbard North and see the pigs and the frogs and the this and the that and. I guess she used to do, she used to talk as the frog. Students said oh, she used to do wow. the frog's voice and she was a whole stand up act, you know. So was it high school biology? Yeah, it was high taught. school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's hence the pig. Yeah. Yeah, she taught Billy Corgan biology. Right. Yeah. Oh my God, I love that. And she has a poem written by him that I've kept. So like he wrote <gasps> some science poem and I have it. Yeah. Doll, that's worth yeah, thousands. Fun. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's like, this is so cool. So. But other roles, yeah. if you wanted to talk about another mom role. Sometimes it was snippets like, yeah, a gesture like there's still one that I'm saving that I haven't, I've been always wanting to put it into certain roles. And I go, nope, that's not it. That's not it. That's not really? it. I'm saving it. Yeah. It's this thing it's called, some people call it doll eye, where mm-hmm. you basically just close one eye. So you can see me. People can't see me, but I'll do it right now. Um, if you can see it here, I'm going in. Okay. Here we go. See that? Yeah. Closing one so eye. My mother, keeping one yeah, eye cl- open. Yeah. Keeping one eye open and not looking like it's a, it's like a, a, a doll's a doll. eye. Yeah. And so she would do that whenever something was ridiculous. Like most people would do an eye roll 
she does the doll eye and she'd be like, lovely, wonderful. Like, that's not good. And most of the time it was me like making myself ugly and my mom would be like, oh, that's attractive with the eye. Yeah. And so. <laughs> and sometimes the doll eye gets stuck. You know, yeah. It, can it get... just stays there. It, stays it just there. stays there. Just stays there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the big deal with my mom was how to make my mother laugh at the dinner table. That mm. was a huge deal. Like competing with your sisters for it or yes. just competing with yourself? Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, and, and after a while, I was competing with myself because my mom, my, I know my mom thought I was funny, mm-hmm. but my sister Lisa was probably the funniest and still is the funniest. Yeah. And, uh, but a lot of times her funny comes from things that she didn't even realize she just did. <laughs> so... It was hilarious, but yeah. Did she watch a lot of your work? I actually don't know if I've ever asked you this until this moment. I, You know, I'm going to honor what went through my mind at this point. My mother was so scared for me hmm. that I would get rejection after rejection after rejection that she didn't share with me a lot about how she felt about me being an actress or what she had seen me do, hmm. right? I didn't know what it was at the time. I was graduating high school. It was my last show in high school. And it was, you know, big deal at our high school. You know, we had a lot of people, a lot of famous people come out of our high school. Right. That's an intense theater program too there. And I don't think I'll ever play to that large of an audience again (laughs) in a show. You peaked. Yeah. I think our auditorium sat sixteen hundred people. What? And it was always sold out. So yes. So there I was playing on Broadway, but it was in Winnetka, Illinois. (laughs) And after the show, everybody came down and to the dressing room and everybody's like, it was great. You were amazing. And my father, who was the actor in the family, kind of was like, this is so great. And when you did Mm -hmm. this and 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 my mom's just sitting there like a deer in headlights. And I said, mom, mom, did you like it? And she was like, yeah, yeah. You know, all like neutral face, mm-hmm. new, monotone, you know. And I'm like, what? Okay, I guess maybe she's angry at me. I don't know what's going on. I couldn't read her or I didn't have the time to read her. I was 16 years old. I didn't know. Right. You, know? you just killed in Winnetka. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> in mini Broadway. Yeah. And she was like, okay, I'll take the flowers home, put them in the toilet, you know, because <laughs> there were so many flowers. Put them in the toilet for you, blah, 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 yeah. blah. And I went home. Years later... Years and years and years later, uh, that vision came up into my mind. Thank God my mom could tell me. She was still alive to tell me. And it was after a while that you could see that I was going to be fine making a living as an actor. And I said to mom, weren't you ever, you were scared for me, da-da-da, we'd have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And she goes, I knew then that you had to be an actress, that it was something that, you were meant to do. Hmm. And I said, I'm sorry, excuse me. She goes, yeah. <laughs> uh, wh- when, wh- 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 why didn't you say that that night <laughs> yeah, many, many yeah, years ago? I was like, what I remember <laughs> Here's is what this. I remember. And, yeah. And she goes, because I was scared mm. shitless for you. I was scared shitless for me, for you, for our family, and what was going to come. Yeah. What was going to come. Because I knew then. And I was like, oh, so that neutral face monotone was you basically saying, You found Fuck. your purpose. You found your <laughs> purpose. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So there's that grief that keeps going, right? I mean, that's, uh, you know, when it brings me it's to a this grief. thought. Yeah. It's a grief yeah. that keeps going. That's a great way to say it. Mm-hmm. You know, I my dear friends that still had their mothers when, you know, or still do at this point. Um, have shared with me years later. I'm so glad because I would say to them, they'd be bitching about their mother. Mm -hmm. And I would say, at least your mother's alive. And I would say it so harsh. And Mm -hmm. I knew that I was being harsh, but I wanted them to get the picture. And a few times they'd look at me like, what the fuck? And I'd make them really uncomfortable. And I didn't care that I was making them uncomfortable. There was, uh, when my mother died, there were so many fucks I didn't give anymore, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Um, And 
A few of my friends have come back to me since those times. They said to me, I needed to hear that. Mm -hmm. One of my friends now, who she'd be bitching about her mom for many years because her mom was challenging, uh, just this last Mother's Day said, I'm so glad you had that conversation about your mom and me uh, being, having, being fortunate that my mother's still alive. Thank God for that. Thank mm -hmm. you. And I was like, my work is done here. You know, yeah. um, did it force her to reach out more? What did it do for her? Did it? It made her think about what she was bitching about her mother about. Right. And was it really that important? Right. Right. And so she was starting to understand what her priorities were because then she was like, oh, shit. I thought my mother was going to live forever. Mm -hmm. And now I see that she's not when you told me that. Right. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but, and, but then talking to someone who who, who might feel like why would I reconnect with someone who wasn't a mother to me? Wasn't right. So then I, that, uh, right. I would completely honor that. Right. And that's so, it's so complicated. It's a different thing. Right. This was about. I know. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I get right. that. I just go. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting mm -hmm. to think what the word motherhood even means. Right. And how loaded mm -hmm. that is. A beautiful thing you told me was that your mother used to reference her perfect children. Oi. Would you tell us a little about that? <laughs> okay. Maybe that's another reason, now that I think about it, that was another reason why I was in therapy and angry at my mother. <laughs> just one, just like maybe two reasons. <laughs> my mother would say, and she was saying it, of course, in a joking way, my perfect children. Well, my sisters tell me now, as we're all in our 50s and 60s, that they loved it when my mother would say that. I was horrified when my mother would say that because then I actually took it figuratively, literally, everything. I took it like, holy shit, if I'm not perfect at this, I'm going to jinx it all and all mm -hmm. of a sudden I'm not her perfect child anymore. And of course, it was a very subconscious thing. And what know? did perfect mean to you? Uh, everything. 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 Uh, I think what she really meant by perfect children is they're alive, they're thriving, they're loving, and they're fabulous. That's basically all she meant by her perfect children. It doesn't matter if we had one eye or we had no face, we'd still be perfect in her eyes. Did your That's sisters, did that drive them to therapy too? Have you guys talked? No. I mean, you, you must talk no. about it. We it did not drive them to therapy. No. They were no. fine with it. <laughs> what drove them to therapy were other things, but it, that was not one of them. Hmm. That was one of them that drove me to therapy. But they, they thought that was lovely that my mother it's said It's a beautiful that. memory. Yeah. <laughs> we're and her I was perfect like, this children. Is, and you're like, this is the worst. I can't be this perfect. This is the worst. Yeah. I now, of course, look back at it fondly and say, that is the cutest damn thing ever. Now that I understand it. That's hard, though. Yeah. I think about that a lot with my grandma. My grandma, even to this day, talks about how my mom was perfect, the perfect daughter, the perfect mm -hmm. wife, the perfect mm -hmm. student. Well, no wonder perfect... she doesn't want to talk right. about addiction. Of course she doesn't, because you know? she was, yeah. how could this happen to someone who was so beautiful she and so perfect, perfect and could dance and do ballet and play piano? Correct. Had correct. to be the stronger sister and to her, her sister who had disabilities. But mm -hmm. So I think she was pushed to be perfect, too, and then was a corporate wife and was a teacher and... Had perfect and, bows in her hair. Yeah, perfect bows, yeah. jewelry, mm -hmm. you know, worked mm -hmm. out. So once your body starts failing you, it's hard to pretend that you're still, you're trying to still stay perfect yeah. and keep this facade right. when yet How do everyone do around you is like, something is wrong, you know? Right, exactly. Um, exactly. And your body starts failing you. Right. Um, and harmony, 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 yeah. harmony. Yeah. yeah. Harmony, right. Unless my mom wanted harmony, unless you fucked with her children. Oh. Then she was like, all bets are off. I will fuck you up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was intense. People were scared of her. People were really scared of her. I have friends to this day that will not call her Anne. Will still call her. I loved your mother, oh, yeah. Mrs. Schwimmer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Schwimmer. <laughs> Mrs. Schwimmer. Well, and you said they wouldn't like it when... My when... mom... You called her Annie or, right. you know. Yeah. If if people called her Annie that she didn't A, she like, didn't like B, or no, no. Mm -hmm. she'd be like, it's Anne. It's Anne. <laughs> Maybe yeah. the eye would come out, the eye doll or. No, she didn't. No. She only, she was relaxed when she had the eye doll. And when she was tense, she would just do that scary ass 
thousand mile stare, you know. <laughs> oh, she was scary. Yeah. She's really scary. She never, by the way, she never hit any of us. She didn't need to. Yeah. She didn't need to. She would say, and my sisters and I just brought this up on a Zoom meeting. My mother would say, I love you very much, but I don't like you very much right now. <laughs> and you would, would, what would, what would your body do? What would dread, you dread, dread, fear. Everything would go inward, you know, like your stomach would collapse. Your whole mm -hmm. body would collapse into your stomach if that happened, you know, because you knew, oh my God, I must have been a real asshole because she was patient, you know? Yeah. She was very, very patient. Yeah. Did your mom ever tell you a secret that like only you knew? Something that your sisters might not have known or she said, that's just between us? No. No, no. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. My mother never had any of us. She never compared one daughter to the other. She never had any of us competing. Mm. If our competition with each other was happening, it was never because of her, ever because of her. She treated us all intensely as individuals. And each one of us thought Either we were mom's favorite or somebody else was other, other favorite mm. uh, because mom didn't have favorites. And I say to my friends that are mothers now, especially of girls, don't you dare compare one daughter to the other. Don't you dare. And I think that that is the single biggest reason why my sisters and I have no competition. We get along and they're my best friends. Mm. Is well, because my mom was all about that. And she you're all, all perfect. Mm -hmm. And we're all perfect, right? So she never, ever, ever, I don't think she ever told me a secret that as it got closer to her death, she said a few things. But I think she would have said a few things if my other sisters were there too. You were just there. You were the one I present. I just happened to be mm -hmm. there. Yes. And yes. you shared what she said to your sisters? Oh, Hail. Yes. Yes. I, yes. I assume all of that then was just conveyed. Yeah. Here's what mm -hmm. she said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. She had no problem uh, sharing her joy. Some people can't do that. Yep. At she all. had no so, problem sharing her joy. That's a it's gift. Kind of, kind of genius. Yeah. Well, you don't yeah. either, my friend. Yeah. Yo, I got that from my mother. I'm very, very similar to my mother. Very similar. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I'm not as graceful as my mother. My mm. mother was super graceful. Did you, in hindsight, realize she was graceful or did you always see it, you know? like I never defined it that yeah. way, but I saw it. Yeah, I saw it that way. She was just graceful in the sense that she could make anybody feel at home, you know? That was my mom, was, too, for a long yeah. time. So good at it. Like, I recently had a friend who met my mother in 2010. My mom was sick mm. then. And she'd never even met my mom. My mom was sick, but she still saw her and was like, your mom, I thought was like either a politician, you know, wow. uh, uh, an agent. She should just, wow. she was just so incredible at talking and also to had, people. And, and put together. Yeah, put, put together. together, knew how to run a room, knew who was who. Sounds to, like you. Sounds like you. So I was like, well, that's where I got it. And everybody always thought she was just so fun and yeah um, just engaging like, welcoming right, you welcoming you right. to her home to her class a great equalizer of people mm -hmm. she would talk to children the same yep. as she'd talk to adults so that's exactly how my mom was yeah. too oh my god the two of them would have gotten along for sure very much so get their chico's jackets on and run around and talk about biology i mean and garden and not yeah. share their feelings. Um, right, right. Well, exactly. sometimes, sometimes my mom would. But then my mother would probably go in and she'd be like, what pills are you taking? Why are you taking those? <laughs> right. Do you right. know? No, she would, she'd try to care for her. And then she my would. And my mom, the scientist, would be like, all right, what was, I want to talk about some doctor stuff, some nurse, like she loved, you know, right. medicine. So she'd also want to chat about it. She had surgery. My mom had surgery on her knee. She had something removed from her knee and she was not fully asleep. It was like, mm. like something was, she was young and she mm -hmm. said that she stayed awake to like see it. I don't mm -hmm. know if this was mm -hmm. a, a memory that was wrong, but she, she had something removed from her knee and I don't know if it was stitches. It was something. I she, bet you it was a cyst. Yeah. Something. It was, was a yeah. cyst and, and she then wanted you could to do see like it. localized, yeah. you could she do localized anesthesia. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. wanted to yeah. watch the doctor. She wanted to see what it looked like right. coming out. And right. I just like, okay, mom. Um, yeah. My mom was the same way. <laughs> 
So I think you've said it already, but will you say your mother's name again? What feelings do you feel in this moment today on this phone call? Tell me your mom's name. If I say her name is Annie Schwimmer, the feeling is different than when I say Ann Schwimmer. Well, then let's hear it. <laughs> okay. Annie Schwimmer is everybody's favorite neighbor, everybody's favorite aunt, everybody's favorite uh, nurse, a person who could give an incredible party, make it look like it's nothing. That's Annie Schwimmer. Ann Schwimmer, incredible nurse, knew her shit. If you have any bullshit that you bring to the table, she will out you in a second hmm. and will tell you that it's bullshit or she will pause long enough for you to retract the statement. That's Ann Schwimmer. Ann Schwimmer, the, the protector of her children. If any of her children's friends came and they had, uh, and she could see an ulterior motive, she didn't like them for the rest of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the difference. Oh. Yeah, you saw both. And the mom mm -hmm. who was scared and nervous for you to go out into the world and become mm -hmm. the actor that you were so destined on this earth to be. And That was Ann Schwimmer. Yeah. I, I love you, mm -hmm. friend. I'm grateful to know you. I love you, you too. Thanks I'm for doing so, this. so grateful to know you. And by the way, the conversation that you had, you and I had about your career in the car as I was driving you home <laughs> and the things that I was telling you is exactly what my mother would have said to you. Don't be a fucking manager. Now get out of my car. <laughs> get the fuck out of my car. My mother would have said that. Yeah. My mother would have said that to you. And she would have said, how dare you not share your gifts with the world? Well, I'm trying to in any way I can. And this is one of them. So thanks, babe. <laughs> You're the best. I love you. Yeah. So Rusty is referring to the time when I told her I wanted to become a talent manager for actors and she told me to get out of her car. She was... she was pissed. Um, but I'm an actor, right? I wanted to have a backup plan and keep my options open in case this whole easy acting career thing didn't work out. But she lovingly and supportively talked me out of it. So thanks, friend. You're the best. If you wanted to see some behind the scenes of this interview, you can go check out our website, which is mothersgravepod.com. You can see some of Rusty's mother's paintings, pictures of her mother's pearls that are referenced in this interview, and read about how you can support the United Negro College Fund, which is an organization that Rusty has been supporting for over 20 years. They are the nation's largest and most effective minority education organization. They donate over $100 million in scholarships to students every year, and their website is uncf.org. Check it out. I want to thank Rusty for talking with me. I also want to thank Susie Piker, one of my oldest and dearest friends, for agreeing to be my editor. I want to thank Notoria Marketing for their awesome website design, Meredith Montgomery for her gorgeous logo, and Matt Chapman for his beautiful sound design. And special thanks to Jill Wolf my therapist, Heather Bode, Laura Nicole, Danny Brovman, Brian Golden, Jonathan Bode, and all of my friends for your love and support. Oh, and my mom's name was Shirley Joe. She dropped the Shirley in high school and just started going by Joe. Joe Black. Her nickname was Joe Mama. And when the movie Meet Joe Black came out, yeah, she thought that movie was about her. It was like for her. It was a sign. When I think about my mom today, as I launch this podcast, I feel really anxious and I feel really nervous about putting something out into the world that she has no say over. Um, she has no approval of. And I'm sure there's going to be things that I say or share or talk about that she wouldn't like that if she were here, she'd say, that's not true. That's not the full story. I don't remember it like that. 
And maybe that's true, but she isn't here. And I hope that every time I'm having a conversation with someone or I'm talking to you all, I remember to look to my right because that's where the picture of my mom is, uh, nestled amongst my spanks and underwear and all the jewelry I inherited after she died. And I remember to look at her and, and honor her, honor my opinion of her. But I also want to remember that I'm honoring myself. I'm the one living. I'm the one still here. I can only talk from my point of view. And so I hope she forgives me. And I hope I start feeling less alone and sad and angry and frustrated and emotional and confused. Yeah, that's what I hope. Talk to you soon. <laughs>